Hello and welcome to Learning More with the Core, your community health core podcast. My name is Keely Alverson and I am a current social work intern with Community Health Corps, East Texas' local mental health and IDD authority. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Community Health Corps' Veteran Suicide Prevention Outreach Coordinator, Joy Lowe. Ms. Lowe is an East Texas native and a Longview ISD 1995 alumni, as well as a veteran of the United States Air Force. After serving nine years on active duty, she attained her bachelor's degree in molecular biology with a focus in forensics from Sacramento State University in California. After moving back to Longview about four years ago, Joy attained her certificate as a mental health peer specialist for the state of Texas and has been working with Community Health Corps for almost one year. So without further ado, please enjoy Ms. Joy Lowe. Hello, Ms. Joy. Um, so I have you on here today to talk about our new program that we have going on. It's the Veteran Suicide Prevention Outreach, and you're the coordinator. Right. Can you tell me something about it? Well, um, the, the, the program is actually called the Staff Sergeant Fox Suicide Prevention Grant Program. Oh. And it's named after veteran Parker Gordon Fox. Uh, he was uh, an Army sniper um, yeah. instructor and he sadly died by suicide in July of 2020 um, and he was only 25 years old <clears throat> as a result of his service so the program is um, it's it's a it's a VA funded program yeah. it's in alignment with the national strategy for preventing veteran suicide and the White House strategy for reducing military and veteran suicide that was created in 2021 and uh, so the basis of it is that we have a lot of veterans out there in the rural areas that don't have access to the VA healthcare also as well as there's a stigma a lot absolutely yeah with the VA and getting care asking yeah. for help and that kind of thing so the VA wants to partner with community-based providers yeah to try to get in touch with these veterans that are out in the rural area homeless veterans or veterans that are just going through something that maybe don't a lot of veterans don't know about their benefits a lot of veterans yeah. don't know what's out there for them yeah. So that's basically what we're doing is uh, they're taking, and this is a nationwide thing. Okay. We had to apply for the grant. We were awarded the grant. So basically we're going to try to meet any needs of the veterans and their families. This isn't just for veterans. Their families can be a part of it as well. Okay. Yeah. That's important because a lot of the times, even though we're not focusing as much as we should on this population, when we do, we just focus on the individual and not the family system as a whole, which I think it could be very beneficial. Absolutely, and we've seen, you know, I don't know if you're aware of the, the statistic 22 a day. Okay, so Tell me. We, lose, we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide. Now, since COVID, that number has gone up. Yeah, sure, I've, I've drastically. Asked, exactly, well, I've heard 33 a day and just the other day I heard 44 a day. So we're looking at either 33 a day yeah. or 44. And 22 was too many. Yeah. During COVID, they were isolated. Yeah. The ones that were seeking mm -hmm. therapy were not able to get to their groups yeah. and, and interact with people the way they needed to. It's $174 million that is budgeted to carry out this program uh, throughout the country because there's the, you know, the government's really concerned about Wow. at the rate that we're losing. <laughs> in yes. 2020, in it 20... like it started. We're like, oh, I guess we should focus yes. on that. Yes. <laughs> well, and, this, and it's, it's fair to say, too, that this is a pilot program. And uh, as an Air Force veteran, I will tell you that we are flying the plane as we're putting it together. So there are some. Oh. This is a pilot program. It's supposed to go for three years. So we're still in the process of getting some of the kinks out. We yeah, learning along the way. Exactly. And we're mandated by federal law. Yeah. 
Um, so we have to follow all those guidelines. Within federal law, there's a federal law within the federal law oh and then another. So there's a <laughs> lot of, of moving parts with it. So uh, we have to make sure that we're in constant contact with the, the people that are running the grant and there are changes being made as we've got <coughs> feet on the ground and we're mm -hmm. seeing what needs to be adjusted. They're adjusting as need be. Well, I'm going to take 10 steps back. Okay. You said you were uh, in the Air Force. Yes. You're a veteran yourself. Yes. So first of all, thank you for your... I was told by a veteran to not say service, <clears throat> but to say sacrifice. And I feel like it goes a little deeper because some people get confused on service. I've never actually heard that. That's interesting. Okay. What's your take on that? I say service. Okay. Because... For me, the people that made sacrifice are the ones that aren't here to talk. Gotcha. So that's just how I feel about yeah. it. I mean, yes, I mean, I got, I volunteered to do, to go into the military and I got paid to do what I did. And yeah, there were times that you had to, you know, you had to make sacrifices, but everybody does that in any career that you're in, you make sacrifices based off of your family or the needs of your company. Yeah. But when I think of sacrifice, I think of those that didn't come home. I think of the, of their families that, you know, spend every holiday and every um, memory that they have that they'll never see that person again. That's what I think of sacrifice. I think that not only the the, the military members that lost their lives, but also yeah. their families. Yes. Yeah. That's a major sacrifice. Those people sacrifice. They sacrifice their loved one for, you yeah. know, the good of the country. And so when I've never heard that, that's the first time I've ever heard that. I would rather be asked service service and on that note <laughs> when somebody thanks me for my service I'm usually not sure what to say I yeah thank you doesn't sound right yeah and you're welcome doesn't sound right so <laughs> I just I usually stammer a little bit and then I say it was my pleasure because yeah. it was my pleasure to serve and if I had it to do over again I would it's an awkward encounter isn't it it is <laughs> but it's important it is it is I do believe yeah. that uh, there especially with our uh, our Vietnam veterans who were not treated very well when they came home no no anytime I see somebody that has that I always thank them you know and, and it's 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 important to hear even among veterans you know yeah. when we're together uh, like an American Legion or whatever and you find somebody come in new and they're mm -hmm. a veteran even though they're veterans but well thank you for your service you know because you know, yeah it's important to hear that yeah so you know you, that it wasn't time that you spent away from your loved ones. Yeah, and that wasn't unappreciated. Exactly, yes. That's fair. Well, what do you think, being in this role now, because you're the coordinator of this, yes. of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, how do you think that helps you serve the veterans that you're working with? Well, I think that um, being able to kind of have a little bit of leeway to um, – build the program and find out what's going to work best for people because I'll say and and there there may be other veterans that'll disagree with me on this but I think that the majority of veterans and I would say 99% at some point in time in their life have thought about whether Suicide? that maybe it would be better if you know yeah. I just went to sleep and didn't wake up you yeah. know so so we all know what it's like to be in that that darkness yeah you know, I think it was important. They w they wanted to make sure they had a veteran in this role because it's difficult for veterans to trust people, especially when they're going through you know their PTSD symptoms mm -hmm. or they're going through uh, problems that have to do with experiences they had in the service. It's hard to express that to somebody that's never been a part of that. Mm -hmm. And it uh, it's it's a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood that I can't explain. I meet people that are veterans and we're from all different branches and. Mm -hmm 
we tease each other, yeah. you know, about what branch they're in. I don't oh, know how yeah. many times I've heard Chair Force, and I tease the Marines about eating crayons all the time, you know. <laughs> and there is the whole Army, you know, the, the Air Force used to say, hey, it's Army proof, that kind of thing. And so we mm. tease each other back and forth like yeah. that. You know, we're, we're very protective of each other. We won't allow an outsider to tease, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So there is a brotherhood, a sisterhood. It's easier to um, connect with somebody that's a veteran. Being in the, um, the coordinator position, I feel like I can make suggestions to my grant manager, mm-hmm. to, to Wallace. That about are educated from your experience. Exactly. Yeah. That I think that, and, and Wallace is a veteran as well, oh, so yeah. he understands. Well, we had him on. Yes. <laughs> but, and then I'll, as I'm dealing with these veterans too, I think, well, this might work and this might not work. And I think we need to take this from a different avenue. And Wallace and I are collaborative on this. You know, he makes suggestions and I make suggestions and we come together with it um, and he says ultimately it's my decision if I want to implement it or not but you know within the parameters of the structure of the program and then also you know we do work for community health corps as well so there is an element of the community health corps side of it as well and and part of the goal that we want to do is not only get people involved with the VA Mm -hmm. but also try to get them into some um, community health corps based stuff as well so that if they didn't have the VA for some reason there was somewhere to back up on true okay so let's go into what we provide, what you're providing, okay. what services you're going in. We're doing any kind of outreach services for, okay, let me explain to you a little how it works. So a yeah. veteran comes into my office and uh, they're referred to me or you know, they just come in looking for uh, support of some kind. Yeah. And I screen them to make sure that they are indeed veterans, because mm-hmm. sadly we do have you know people yeah. that pretend. We make sure you know that I have a couple different. I can take a DD two fourteen, or I have a. a, a oh, break that down. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. A DD two fourteen. Okay. What's that? A Department of Defense two fourteen is the certificate that you get when you are released from the military. So okay. every veteran has that, and okay. I do apologize. I do. Just That's kinda, okay. Everybody yes. has their acronyms, but I have to remember yes. to slow you down. Absolutely. <laughs> So that is your certificate of release. So basically, that is your ticket to ride That's after like your, your diploma. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Did, did you get an A or did you get a D? You know, yeah. Because yeah. so, it because it has the classification of how you were discharged, okay. whether you were honorably discharged or you know, or if you received a court dishonorably, or there's variations like other than honorable or general or whatever. Oh, okay. Now I can take everybody unless they were dishonorably discharged by court martial. So, and do you know what a court-martial is? I should ask that. No, I don't. Okay, a court-martial <laughs> would be basically like government trial. Okay. So you did something wrong, and so there will be a judge, mm-hmm. a military judge, and military jury. That's its own world. It's it its is. own it government. Is. We are, we are, okay. we have our own, because we're not only do we have to follow the laws of the land, but yeah. we also have to follow what's called the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So there's other things involved in that mm-hmm. that apply to us while we're in service okay. that don't apply to other people. That sounds like I have my own code of ethics as a social worker, but I also have a code of ethics for community health court. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. Okay. The difference being, though, that if you violate a code of ethics, you're going to lose your job. Mm-hmm. In the UCM, if you violate UCMJ, you could go to jail. Definitely or lose, or, or lose your career or yeah. your benefits, you know. So basically, that's what a court martial is. Those are the only people that I cannot assist. Okay, so that's um, a restriction on the grant. Right. Okay. Um, and then we also, if the veteran is enrolled and they have family members that are also having issues, I can enroll the family members as well. But the veteran has to be enrolled in the program for me to be able to en- enroll 
family. The family. Now, that being said, if a veteran came into me and was not qualified, I'm not going to say, sorry, you don't qualify for my program. Yeah. I'm going to find someplace else for them to go, yeah. as well as their family, too. And that's what a, a big part of where Community Health Corps comes in, so it's nice to be working for... Um, Connected with that. Yeah. What, uh, what is it at CBHH? Oh, a CCBH. CCBHC. I know Christy Craven can tell us. It's a CCBHC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And we were just discussing that. Um, so, and I think that's a big part of why we got the grant as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Because um, I work occasionally with the community health workers. And when we go out and uh, work with the unhoused population, some of them are veterans. Yes. You know. I'm, what I'm gathering is that a lot of people don't even know that uh, the East Texas Veterans Resource Center is here in Community Connections yeah. and that we support veterans because whenever I talk about it to a lot of people, they're like, we didn't even yeah. know you were over there. You know, that's that's an important thing, too, And whenever you run into a veteran to let them know that we're there yeah. because there's a lot of things that we can do. And, you know, basically, uh, we're not the VA. A lot of people think yeah. we are. But we do have connections with uh, veteran service officers in the county that do the valuations for veteran disability ratings okay. and um, getting people connected with health care. So we are kind of a liaison to all of that. Yes, because you've got that linkage. You partner with those community partners. I mean, that's what Community Health Corps is about. Exactly. You know. Yes. that's We have a good rapport with, uh, you know, all of those people. One so. Love, the VA. Absolutely. Newgate, mm -hmm. all of that. It's important because, you know, you just have a whole plethora that's a word you don't yeah. hear very often. <laughs> a plethora of resources. So basically what we do is when they come in, I do I, I do make sure that they're eligible, and then I do a baseline screening. Okay. And the baseline screening consists of the Columbia screening for suicide. Oh, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and the uh, psychosocial risk factor. Yeah. And qualify, they have to at least score low on the Columbia mm -hmm. and meet one of the psychosocial risk factors. Okay. And then they qualify. Okay. I can then enroll them in the program, and then I have then I do a baseline screening, and that includes the PHQ-9, the GSE, the ISEL, all of those. All the letters. Uh, all of those. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what all those letters That's say. Okay. But they're the basic mental health screenings that uh -huh. we have. To do. There's five of them. Those um, particular forms, all of this is confidential. Mm -hmm. the, the client is given, or participant, however you want to call it, yeah. is given a, a, a random number that only I know who it's attached to. Okay. Well, you know, in, in my system. Yeah. So when I send this, these papers on to the VA, because there's a, a way for me to upload them directly to the VA, mm -hmm. they're only denoted by that particular six-digit number. So they use those for data collection only. Okay. So they're doing statistics based off yeah. of that data collection. Now, we have uh, created our own program, so I have, have them fill out a release of information for Community Health Corps as well as the VA. And then from there, we will, um, based off of their needs, refer for mental health. Okay. Um, now, if they're low, then, you know, I'm going to try to get them in touch with the VA and see what we can get, in, get them in for. Yeah. Um, I do have a referral form. If they're high, on a case-by-case, -case, you know, we'll get... Um, decide if they're a crisis and what we need to do, mm -hmm. how we need to get CHC involved in getting them into something right away. We do education, Ken, the peer network guy that works with me. Oh, you have a sitting. peer, okay. Yes, he's through the Texas Veterans Peer Network, uh -huh. and so he works directly with veterans. He teaches classes for suicide awareness, like, uh, uh -huh. so he has three different classes that he teaches. So we have, and 
I'm going to get trained on teaching those as well so that I can fill in for him. We do offer peer services. I am also a certified mental health peer specialist, yes. so that is something that I can do as well. So we have the two peers down there. Yes. Um, if they're homeless, we're going to get them into head bash. We're going to get them into, try to get them into some kind of housing. We're going to refer them for that. You're helping them meet their basic needs. Exactly. The whole idea is to get them upstream. Yeah. Before we have to try to pull them out with a 988 number. We yeah. want to try to get them. And so it's not just people that are coming in that are having thoughts of suicide, but people that are just struggling. You know, yeah. those factors can can cause a person to start, mm-hmm. you know, going down we that road. We want to prevent it before it's exactly. even Exactly. These are preventative measures. A plan or an idea. Absolutely. Yes. And I do have some um, temporary income support that I can do with them. Uh, I do know that we can pay for things that have to do with like uh, education, any kind of education for suicide prevention, mm-hmm. or if the person, I'm going to use an example, and I don't know why I go to this because I know nothing about it, but like say the person was a welder uh-huh. and they needed a welder's mask. I could buy them a welder's mask okay. with that. Supplies for their current job employment. Right, or if they needed a certification mm-hmm. or something like that, something to get them back into the work field. So it sounds like you're just the biggest support. Like you I'm, are the net that catches... The, the veterans. I am their advocate. Yeah. I am their advocate. That's what I like to tell them. I'm their advocate. I'm going to, you know, because what I always tell my veterans is nobody cares about you as much as you care about you. Mm. So that's, powerful. that's one of the things that you have to remember is that when you go into some place, you're your own advocate. Yeah. And so I'm there to help bridge the gap. So what overall is the goal? What's your goal personally? And then what's the <laughs> what's the program's goal? Let me do that. Okay. My goal, quite honestly, I'd like to see that number be zero. But the 33 that's, or the 44. Yeah, but that's not realistic. It's really not um, because we're, you deal with people. So, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out what people are going to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people are very set their ways yeah i guess is the best way and but one of the things that i've learned when i'm going through this training is that they uh we're looking at some of the statistics and they say that majority of the people in the 90 percent um percentile of people that have attempted to take their life by suicide Mm -hmm. and failed yeah regretted it regretted it said that Mm -hmm. in that last second yeah they yeah. changed their minds. I've read that. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that's powerful to me. Mm-hmm. So if I could see that, if I could do anything to make that number come down, that would be a... But ultimately, for me, if I can help one person, mm-hmm. just one person see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. that that light is not a freight train. Yeah. And that it is possible to move off the tracks and get around mm-hmm. that, that'll, that'll mean a lot to me. The program goal... Uh, for this first cycle, the, the program's supposed to run for three years. Yes. And then after that three years, I don't know what, it mm-hmm. depends on what they what gather. What have got you know, going on now. How it works. Our program goal for this first fiscal year mm-hmm. is to help 50 veterans. Okay. We started offering services the week before Christmas, mm-hmm. and I currently have five enrolled. Okay. So, um, and I've got three that I needed to reach out to today mm-hmm. and think about getting in to, to try to enroll. Okay. So we're looking at a couple of weeks in, not almost a month, yeah. and I've already got that many. So I, I think the 50 is not going to be an issue. 
How do you, when you say help, how do you know when you've helped them? Like, what's the guidelines for help? Well, they're allowed to stay in the program as long as they want to stay in the program. Okay. I guess what's progress look like for them? Progress would be like, let's say I have one individual who is, um, he's married, mm -hmm. he has two kids and he has a job and he you know has a home so he, so he doesn't need the the housing and that kind of thing mm -hmm. telling me he's just in a bad place and he needs somebody to talk to okay so he's not going to need as much of the the program like someone's unhoused right and also he doesn't need that suicidal ideation right exactly yeah. i'm also their case manager okay. so i do check in i do case management with them every week I call to check to see if there's anything that they need. And so this gentleman that I have um, that's in the program, he is actively now told me that he has his first appointment on the 25th for mental health. Great. And he struggles with the VA. So uh, there's a possible, I told him, talk to them. If you're not happy, tell them you want to be referred to the community. We can work on that. Yeah. So with him, he could stay in my program as long as he wants to stay in the program. He's not going to need all of the, as many of the resources as I have. Right. Um, that could change. Yeah. You know? And, oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. They can stay in the program as long as they need to, but progress would be I have somebody that has no income and they have no place to live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they have these thoughts and, you know, they have all these medical issues. Progress to me would be getting them in a, into housing. Yes. Um, helping them meeting with Meeting those basic needs. Helping them with the disability. Yes, meeting the basic needs. And then from there, after they have the basic needs, then we can start to progress. Yes. To we what need, do we need a firm foundation. Right. What do we need to do to ensure that we don't get back here in six months? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the conversation we have. What is it? My first conversation with them is what is the most important? Because we can't take care of everything all at once. Right. What's the most important thing to you at this point? Mm -hmm. So it's it's hard to say what progress would be. It would depend on. It's person centered. Exactly. Very person centered. So. What would you like society or our community to understand about veterans that you feel like we don't quite get? I know that's a, a loaded question. It is kind of, but I see what you're saying. And I can edit it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. As a veteran, I'll tell you, um, I've been spit on mm -hmm. in uniform, called a baby killer. Wow. I believe that people don't understand that that soldiers and airmen and marines and sailors you know we're just people yeah i don't want to say it's not like any other job because it is it's a lot different mm -hmm. but we're we follow orders where you know now we're not robots yeah we have our own thought process and things but you know if we're told you're going to go over here and this is what you're going to do you know we we raise our right hand and we take an oath to defend the constitution yeah. to defend our nation at any cost right mm -hmm. and that's why we've lost so many people in, in all these wars because they laid down their life for the freedoms that a lot of people take for granted. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to realize that those people are just their fathers and their sons and their daughters and their mothers and their sisters and their brothers, their flesh and blood. We have emotions about what we do. Yeah. You're you know? still a human. Don't overgeneralize. Exactly. I'm, I mean, you know, so I think that's what a lot of the society thinks about is that, you know, we're just this... Each one of us is individual. Killing machine. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, we also experience a lot of things that most people don't. Mm. Um, and we, there is a stigma in the military about asking for help. Mm -hmm. We don't want to look weak. Yeah. And asking for help is not a weakness. No, but it's a strength. It is a strength. But when you're 
your main job is to maybe have to go watch your best friend get yeah. killed the next day or kill a bunch of people, that's considered like a, a weakness, yeah. you know, to ask for help, yeah. you know, unless you, you know, so, um, so that gets, that gets it's nailed rewiring into rewiring the brain. Exactly. And when you leave the military, you do, you go from every day being told what to do, you know, to, hey, you're free, make all your own decisions. That's Ooh. a really hard thing to do. And a lot of people have a hard time with the transition yeah. because especially if you've spent, you know, 20 years doing that. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, it can be a real culture shock. And they tell you, hey, there's all these benefits for you, but you have to go find them. Because yeah. as a federal government, they're not allowed to advertise, so you, you have to go find those. Mm. You know, and it's, you know, you went from having your health care to where it didn't come out of pocket to now you're having to pay for your health care. That's it. So a lot of veterans don't have any health care. They just use the VA because, you know, they, they never had to budget or figure for that. kind of... I don't want to say taken care of, but just structured for them. Very structured. And there was a lot of things that were taken care of. I mean, you took care of your personal stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you paid your own mortgage. You know, you paid your own bills and things. And, you know, if and, and, and that's another thing in the military. Like, if you didn't pay a bill, they knew about it. Uh, and you could get into trouble for not doing it, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's, it, there, there's a lot of accountability that you don't have. And so I think that... Especially when you're dealing with a veteran, a lot of these veterans choose to be homeless because can't deal with the structure that's not structured. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've seen it a lot when we speak to the unhoused population. Uh, It's just too nerve-wracking to be around people and and function in the way that our current society says is normal. Right. Right. It's overwhelming. They'd rather be in a tent in the woods and struggle, which is... Man, that's hard to watch. It is, and then you see, you know, you see these veterans, and they, and um, it's just something. People are like, "Well, veterans are crazy," you know. Something small can set them off, but what they're not realizing is that that person is has just gone back mm-hmm. someplace that they were before, and that little thing it was a trigger mm-hmm. to send them back to mm-hmm. a place. It's not uncommon with anybody that has PTSD. It's so like many a car crash. Have trauma. Exactly. Yeah. Any and kind of trauma that of you have have trauma before they even go into the military. Exactly. You know, and if they don't work on that, then they just pile more on. Exactly. Shush. That and, and, and then, like, you know, we, in the military, we have what's called a battle buddy. Um, you know, that person that you're, yeah. and that you watch that person, you know, and, and uh. that kind of thing. And it was, when you see somebody every day, you can see how, yeah. their, how their demeanor might yeah. change. But we talk, always talk about, well, I got your six, which means I got yeah. your back. The reality is when you take two veterans, and I'll use Marines as an example, because Marines are, I mean, they are hardcore. hardcore. Marines are hardcore. Mm -hmm. Once Marine, always Marine. Super fine. But I happen to know, I have a friend that's a a combat uh, Marine, Mm -hmm. and he struggles with uh, survivor's guilt. And there were times when we were together where I could see that he went someplace else, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, you think, well... He could just talk to another Marine about it. Mm. But a lot of times they don't want to talk about that darkness because they don't want to trigger the other person yeah. to their darkness. Yeah. So they'll just tell everybody everything, everything is okay. Because yeah. I don't want my burdens to have to be that person's burdens. And I don't want them, you know, you know they'll check on each other. Yeah. Now they might talk about it if it got really bad, I think, but... And if they experience the same thing together, it will be easier for them to talk about it. Right. But again, they're not trade professionals 
who understand how to get out of that cycle of trauma too. Exactly. So it could perpetuate the problem. You're exactly well. right. It's kind of like going to your friend and complaining and about whatever's going on or reaching out and they're like, well, I don't know. I'm just as, you know, messed well, up. Exactly. <laughs> and you do see a high divorce rate um, with, these, yes. with these combat vets too because the spouses just don't know how. They don't get it. They don't know how to deal with that. And a lot of people will come in and um, I've heard before, well, I don't want, I don't want uh, my spouse to know because I don't want to, uh, you know, her to use it against me with the kids or, you know, something oh, of that nature, yeah. you know. So, um, I hate that that's still a concern. It still is. It still is a concern. Nine times out of ten, uh, these veterans don't, even if they are getting treatment through the VA, they don't tell the truth to the VA because they're afraid they'll lose their benefits, which is a fallacy. That's not true. Well, let's put that out there. Yes. It's not true. That's right. <laughs> it's a, You're not going to lose your benefits because you ask for help. Yeah. Asking for help is good. It took me a long time to realize that, yeah. that I could do it all by myself. I can't only imagine where I would be if mm -hmm. I hadn't had that support system. How alone that must feel. It's awful. It's an awful, horrible, dark feeling, and I know what they feel, and I, I have a so I can empathize yeah. completely. And so that makes you good for this role. Yes, I think so. Um, I'm, I'm, I can honestly tell you I love my job. I'm happy with it. And I can tell you I have never said that before <laughs> <laughs> about, about other jobs. Well, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but how I like to end it is I like to ask everybody how they, how they commit to self-care and how they're compassionate to themselves. Cause it's important, especially being a veteran and also listening to veteran stories mm -hmm. daily. So could you tell us what you do? Okay, I'll tell you, I'm horrible at self-care. <laughs> I am horrible at self-care. I am learning. Um, I I do, uh, I have a therapist. I yep. go to therapy uh, every two weeks. Right um, on. She specializes with veterans. Mm -hmm. um, she is uh, out in the community. She started with the VA, and, and then she went out on her own in her own practice, and I was like, I'm going with you. <laughs> but, uh, yes, she helps me tremendously because I've found that there are things that people that are close to you can't deal with yeah. listening to. So it's always good to have a person that's not invested emotionally yes. in you to listen. A neutral party. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and she don't put up with any of my crap. That's As soon good. as I come on out here and I say this, she's like, excuse me, you want to rephrase that? Uh -huh. and I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. You know, she, she knows me. She knows um, when I'm trying to just skirt around, skirt around something <laughs> or, you know, just little things um, yeah. that I think are important. Um, she, my self-esteem has gone up a lot since I started seeing her. That's um, so important. It, it sounds is. like you're becoming more mindful. Yes. Extreme, yeah. More wise mind, a less emotional mind. I like to read. I have a dog. Um, he keeps me pretty busy. Um, <laughs> I do something called diamond painting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Is it with the diamonds and you stick yes. them onto the thing? My yes. sister-in-law does that and it is beautiful. And it is very good to remove your mind yes you have to focus yes really. yeah if you're very anxious it helps you just kind of and I'm a very in. anxious person yes <laughs> and I, 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 <laughs> I I'm one of those people that you know I lay down at night to go to sleep and I'm really sleepy and I lay down and then all of a sudden my mind goes to do penguins have knees <laughs> and then I got to get up and I got to look I mean you know who whose mind works like that but yeah that's how my mind works so 
believe it or not, I like to watch um, Investigation Discovery. Oh. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, everybody I am a crap. Well, you know, um, my degree is actually in forensics, so yeah. that ought to tell you something. Um, yeah. I've always been that that way, though. I've, I'm 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 a I'm a big uh, true crime fan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Miss Joy, for coming on. And it was my pleasure. To us. Uh, I'm really excited to see where your program goes. Yeah. And um, all you uh, Community Health Corps people out there, if you have any uh, veterans, send them my way. Send them to Miss Joy Lowe, joy.lowe at communityhealthcorps.com. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Community Health Corps, not health care. <laughs> <laughs>